Hello, it's 12th of October 2019 and this is episode 117 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. In Kirsty's absence, I'm joined by... Hello everyone, my name is Caitlin and I am from Skytalkers podcast. And we're very happy to have you on the show, Caitlin. So thank you so much for making time for this. It's really great to have you on. Um, yeah, and just to introduce this episode, we're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star's news, analysis, and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So, Caitlin, how has your week been in Star Wars? It has been a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so there's been so much going on, hasn't there? I'm not sure if it's in the last week, but we've just had Force Friday, right? Yeah, yeah, just over a week ago was Force Friday. So there's been a lot going on. Um, And firstly, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be on. Um, Charlotte and I were on Scavengers Horde like two years ago, I think. Wow. (laughs) A long time ago. So it's it's good to be back. So thank you for having me on. But yeah, the Star Wars fandom has been going through a lot recently as far as like news coming out. We're all going stir crazy waiting for the for the trailer to drop. There's just a <laughs> yes. lot going on and we're all just kind of ready. <laughs> yep. No, definitely. People are chasing their own tail at this point, yes. just waiting for <laughs> stuff. And it's so funny because we have had quite a lot of stuff in the last few weeks. But basically once you've got it it kind of has quite a short shelf life and then you're looking forward to the next thing oh yeah it's like the empire coverage is all awesome and really exciting for three days yep (laughs) and then when those days are up it's like okay where's the trailer where's the trailer yeah and i know now there's two dates circulating about when the trailer is gonna release and so now everyone's debating every minute detail that's ever come out from anyone involved in star wars about when the trailer exactly is gonna release and no 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 no. you know it's gonna release this day because of these reasons or no it's gonna release this day for these reasons and and points of evidence and things like that and at this point i just kind of hope that they drop it on like a thursday night or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah just completely circumvent the football who cares about football anyway (laughs) not me (laughs) yeah like i'm also really confused by the concept of american football because all i know about it is that it's different from british football yeah which is the only kind of football i actually have any concept of and even then only a very limited ones yeah yeah i um i went to a big football school so for college and I love my college team and I watch those games all the time and get very invested in it but I literally don't care about any other team like or any other conference or anything like that and I know a lot of people who are football fans just watch every football game anywhere for any team and I'm like no I have no emotional investment in this whatsoever so and I'm still very limited on my American football knowledge and even more so on my British football knowledge (laughs) American football they wear like huge shoulder pads and like helmets right yes Mm -hmm. and they've got the football is like this oblong pigskin thing (laughs) that you throw around and you tackle each other (laughs) It sounds like rugby. What we'd call rugby, anyway. How yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 So that's my homework assignment, basically, after this episode is done, to go up, to go out and find out more about what American football actually no, is. No, don't do that. 
<laughs> don't yeah i need... might develop a strange addiction rachel if you developed a strange addiction to american football it would just <laughs> i would be really happy it would completely come out of left field but it would be really fun for you to be like yeah the sec rankings are like this and i'm really invested in this team and the nfl like <laughs> yeah so maybe you should it might be interesting i just like envisaging my twitter profile like and instead of like movie buff stalls nerd and co-host of the scavengers horde podcast <laughs> i just included like loads of football related acronyms and yeah i'd be so yeah. confused it'd be like both though it'd be like suddenly you become like a part-time football fanatic <laughs> it would really throw everyone off but i think it could be really fun <laughs> Yeah, I think Kirsty would refuse to podcast with me going forward. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, did you buy anything for Force Friday? I did. I bought really random things. I'm not a big collector, so like I don't have. I mean, I obviously have more Star Wars things than the average person, <laughs> but sure. I'm, I'm not a big collector of like the Funkos or, or really anything like that. Um, but I did go. I went to three stores. I was really caught up in the whole like where's Rose debacle. Um, didn't yeah. find Rose anywhere actually, which is really disappointing. But I did go. I got two boxes of the Star Wars cereal <laughs> um, <laughs> so that I could eat it while I was watching Resistance on Sunday mornings. So that's really why I got that. And then they had these really cool Star Wars socks <laughs> that had this really fun um, print. It was like this black and white sock that had this really cool font for Star Wars on it. And they felt quite plush. So I was like, I'm going to get these. So I got two boxes of cereal and socks <laughs> nice i love it yeah and That's i so cool. i i was gonna get charlotte the my co-host charlotte the spirit jersey because i went to the disney store as well uh but it just it didn't feel very comfy it wasn't super soft or anything like that so we decided not to get it but that was it I think that's nice. Yeah. Like, you can go on and on and on, can't you? Oh, like, yeah. for a while, I did have a kind of thing where I was like, I'll buy every Ray and Kylo figure. Yeah. But after a while, they're all so damn similar. Mm -hmm. And, like, on my shelf, I have, like, this army of clones of both of them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can stop now. Um, Like, I'm sure that will change. Did you get anything? Not yet. Basically, I've been very busy with various London Film Festival events. So I've been going to screenings pretty much nonstop since last weekend. And I was essentially prepping for the festival when Force Friday was happening. Yeah. So I haven't had a chance to even go to the shop, to be honest. But yeah. I will because, yeah, I'm curious to see what's out there. I doubt I'd buy anything. There's nothing I've seen online that makes me think, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think as we get closer to the movie, there, there will definitely be stuff like books I'll buy. So the books tend to be what I focus most of my energies on. I'm really excited for Resistance Reborn, yes. for example, which mm -hmm. we'll get to later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was this big Kylo Ren sweatshirt that I saw at the Disney store that looked so cool that I was almost tempted to buy it. I was like, you don't need to spend $65 on a sweatshirt. It's <laughs> like, wow. bring yourself in, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like if yeah. you still want it this is what my mom always taught me she was like if you really want something that's expensive you you think about it and if you still want it like a week or a month later then then you know that you really want it and then you can decide if it's justifiable for the price so I was like you're gonna leave the sweatshirt and if it's like November and you still want it then maybe you can get it <laughs> 
Yeah. I think that's very smart advice yeah. from your mom. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was because I'm, I'm that person where it's like if I have money, as my mom would say, it's like burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I love that expression. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so I, I didn't buy it. No, that's very sensible. Um, my main Star Wars thing in the last week was that I met Ryan Johnson. Very briefly, met Ryan Johnson is over-regging it a bit. More like spoke to him for five seconds as I had a photo taken with him. But I can confirm some shocking news, which is that he's a very lovely and kind person. <laughs> and that, yeah, if you ever bump into him, unless it's some highly private occasion where he would clearly not want to be interrupted... I think he'd probably be a very cool bloke to just go up to and say, hey, Ryan, love your stuff. Can I have a pic? I think he'd be cool with that. Oh, I totally so. think he would be. Yeah, everyone's pictures from, you know, you're saying you're going to all the film festivals and stuff like that. They just seem like so much fun. And I wish yeah. that we had more of that stuff here in Georgia. It's funny because we have so much filming that goes on here in Georgia, but we don't have like cool film festivals <laughs> where Aww. Ryan Johnson shows up. So <laughs> yeah, I no, sure. would love that if he did. But yeah, he just seems so genuine all the time. And I just... I just want to be best friends with him. Yeah. No, he was just really lovely and like put everyone at ease. And yeah, I also met up with a bunch of Raylos um, as part of that because basically Ryan Johnson was given a screen talk as part of the film festival. And it was a really interesting conversation about his whole career and looking back over his filmography, including but not limited to The Last Jedi. And yeah, a bunch of Raylos slash Star Wars people went and yeah, they were a very cool bunch. So yeah, it was really nice to meet everyone there. Yeah, that's it's always so fun with online communities when you get to meet people in person and it just, it makes things so much easier because you all have this common ground and you know, you probably know a little bit about their tone and their opinions on things already just from knowing them online and I just think it makes things easier uh, and it's it's really nice to, <laughs> to be like oh I know your Twitter handle we talk every day <laughs> yeah no definitely it's nice to put a face to a name yeah yeah exactly it sounded like a lot of fun and all the pictures that were coming out from it just it looked like an incredible event I'm so happy you got to go yeah and it was really nice there was actually another meetup this weekend but unfortunately I had to skip out on that because I'm not feeling 100% but I am well enough to podcast, so that's why I'm here with Caitlin. So, yeah, and excuse me if you hear any, like, disgusting, like, coughing or anything. I'm going to try and edit that out, but I might not be completely successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So let's move on to the news. So the first story is from The Hollywood Reporter, and it's that Kevin Feige is being brought in to produce a Star Wars film. Um, could you read out the excerpt I have from that article, Caitlin? Yeah, absolutely. Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy, quote, is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling and knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together, end quote, while Disney Studios co-chairman Alan Horan tells The Hollywood Reporter. To the surprise of no one, Kevin Feige is a huge Star Wars fan. It might surprise many, however, that the Marvel Studios chief is going to be developing a Star Wars movie in Lucasfilm. President Kathleen Kennedy makes new plans for a wave of projects set in the universe, The Hollywood Reporter has learned. Feige had discussed a foray into the Star Wars universe in a late summer meeting with Kennedy and studio co-chairman Alan Horn and Alan Bergman, sources say. 
In response to the query from The Hollywood Reporter, Walt Disney Studios co-chairman and chief creative officer Horn said, We are excited about the projects Kathy and the Lucasfilm team are working on, not only in terms of Star Wars, but also Indiana Jones, and reaching into other parts of the company, including Children of Blood and Bone, with Emma Watts and Fox. With the close of the Skywalker saga, Kathy is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling, and knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together. Some see this move as a prelude to a larger role for Feige within Lucasfilm, while others say it merely reflects the Marvel executive's passion for the franchise. A top Disney source says Kennedy remains in charge with no plans for any changes. One knowledgeable source says Feige has told a major actor that there is a specific role he would like that person to play if and when he makes the movie. Thank you very much for reading that. That was quite a chunk of text. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there's a lot here. Um, I feel like there's been rumours going around about Kevin Feige getting involved with Lucasfilm forever. Like, but they've always been rather dubious like rumours and sometimes from quite bad actors with cynical motivations <laughs> and uh, this is definitely the first time something to this effect has come out from a very reliable trade source like the Hollywood Reporter and is pretty clearly legit so they've got quotes from people like Alan Horn and stuff yeah yeah so how do you feel about this like as a proposition Caitlin like does the idea of Kevin Feige coming into Star Wars excite you at all or are you very much like uh... wait and see <laughs> not really um it's you know it's star wars has got lucasfilm has gotten a lot of criticism for not having very diverse people in charge of a lot of things Mm, and seeing kevin come back in it just kind of feels like more of the same and i will say that so i was at d23 a couple months ago back in august and they were unveiling a lot of things that were going to be coming down the pipeline for marvel studios both in the form of tv and in the films and stuff and i will say that every they brought out like a director and a writer for every new project that they talked about and there was diversity in every single pair that they brought out um that were attached to the marvel projects and I know that producer is not the only big role in projects like this. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that at least if Kevin Feige is in charge, then there is more of that diversity that seems to be more prevalent in Marvel Studios, at least at this point, um, as far as like directors and, and other producers and writers and things like that for whatever he may or may not be developing. But that is a big if. (laughs) And I don't know. I just, I I like the Marvel films. Don't get me wrong. They don't inspire me the way that Star Wars does. I think they're great entertainment and I love like what they do. I think it's cool, but they're not films that I revisit often or films that I think a lot about. And that's not to say that they don't have any meat in them, that they're just not my cup of tea all the time so I just hope that we don't get all of like I don't know how to explain it I just hope that Star Wars stays Star Wars I don't want it to be Marvel mashed up with Star Wars I know exactly what you mean I feel broadly the same to be honest in terms of how I approach this news because yeah I'm like I generally have a good time with the Marvel movies um some of the ones recently they've just been a little bit tedious I suppose like I feel like it is just more of the same with a lot of them and that they're not bringing much new or exciting to the table Mm -hmm. Um, and 
I will say in Feige's favour that there's clearly, as you've observed, been this move towards bringing in more diverse behind-the-scenes talent with some of the more recent movies. She obviously have um, Ryan Coogler on Black on Black Panther, Taika Waititi on Four, and Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck on Captain Marvel, and that's all great. And it's encouraging that as a producer, Kevin Feige is opening up opportunities to these sorts of filmmakers to make these huge budgeted tentpole films um but yeah i think my concern with marvel is that even when you do get these exciting diverse talents sometimes i feel like you get like any trace of like individuality or character sort of like crushed out of them in the process Mm -hmm. because the marvel movies they can just follow a standardized template yeah. basically a lot of the time you can tell which beats the stories are going to follow and you can tell the sort of jokes they're going to include and you know that they're going to include cameos from x popular character from a previous marvel film yeah etc etc so you feel like there's a certain amount of box sticking going on yeah and that to me to an extent negates the point of bringing in these interesting talents because is like, well, how much are you actually letting them express themselves? Yeah. Because if you do want diverse talent being brought into Star Wars, I don't want it to just be a PR thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look, we're hiring a woman like director or a person of colour director. Like, I don't want that person to then be micromanaged within an inch of their life and like have any sort of authentic and original storytelling taken from them i want to see them really get an opportunity to tell a story that is personal to them and is authentic in the same way that ryan could make the last jedi very personal and authentic to him yeah i'd like to see future filmmakers get that same opportunity and those future filmmakers be from a range of backgrounds yeah absolutely i just i think it's like star wars and and marvel are so different even for a lot of the similarities that they do have i think that those similarities are really in the the size of their franchises but they operate completely differently and they come from completely different source material as well so like the like you were talking about the way that easter eggs are kind of seeded throughout all of these films for marvel is very different because you have just scads and scads of comic books that have laid out all of these millions of stories for so long whereas Star Wars comes from a very different origin point and I think that that's really fun for in Marvel films but I know one of the things like one of the things I critique a lot in Star Wars films are the way that Easter eggs are handled sometimes I think they're handled really well sometimes I think not so well (laughs) Um, I like I don't necessarily love how easter eggs are portrayed in the force awakens but i think that solo did a really good job of how they did those like quote-unquote easter eggs for me it felt a lot more seamless force awakens wasn't necessarily like that and last jedi is somewhere in the middle for me with those um but yeah i just i don't want to see star wars do that and i think there's definitely a time and a place for something like you were saying like marvel follows a template of like an action film and there's definitely a time and a place for that you know, not every Star Wars movie has to be like The Last Jedi. It doesn't have to be this sure. huge cerebral thing. There's nothing wrong with just straight up entertainment. Um, but yeah, I just I hope that that's not the direction of every film is going to take in the future and that every Star Wars film has to be as integrated and as connected in the way that the Marvel films are to each other. And like, this is phase one and phase two and phase three and and all of that. Um, I like how Star Wars, 
Star Wars feels more organic for me in that sense. Like we're always kind of hopping back and forth between different eras and time periods and things. And it just feels more organic to me than the Marvel films do necessarily. So I hope that, I hope that Kevin keeps that the same and does bring in more diversity. And I don't know, I hope it's a chance for him to do something different within a big franchise. So there's a lot left to be seen. And, and this is probably like five to six years out whenever this thing comes out that he's sure, working on. Yeah. So who knows what's going to change in the meantime. But I will say that I'm I'm a little bit more hesitant than I am excited at this juncture anyway. Yeah. like I'd like to think that if Kevin Feige is going to be more involved with Lucasfilm like and that's possibly not even the case like he might literally just be producing this one film and that's it you know because that's all this article says at the moment Um, but in the hypothetical scenario where he is getting more involved I'd like to think he doesn't just want to turn Lucasfilm into Marvel 2.0 because if so that betrays in my opinion like a lack of ambition and also a lack of understanding of that difference between Marvel and Star Wars. Because, yeah, I think there's something very contemporary about Marvel, basically. Mm-hmm. It's very rooted in our now. And, like, I might be wrong, and this might not be true, but I kind of feel like in 50 years' time, I'm not sure if people are still going to be watching the Avengers movies in the same way they watch them now. You know, I feel like they're movies that don't quite have those like enduring qualities that something like Star Wars does yeah. and I'm obviously saying that from a very biased place because obviously I do a Star Wars podcast <laughs> um, and I'm sure like hardcore Marvel fans would feel the reverse about Marvel and Star Wars but yeah like with Star Wars I feel like it's mythological it's like a costume drama it's historical like it's somewhat remote from us and somewhat distant from our current times even while there is intersection and it does have these truths to tell us that are important and still relevant now whereas marvel it's just yeah it's very early 21st century and i don't think you can divorce it from the early 21st century in the way that you can with star wars oh yeah and yeah i think that's a huge advantage for star wars and i think if you try to make star wars more contemporary or make it more uniform or cookie cutter or template in any way I think you're diminishing it mm-hmm. it's like you say there's absolutely space for just more straight up fun shut off your brain Star Wars movies that's fine but if that is the way they're going forward I'd really want there also to be more interesting dynamic movies that try to honor that original spirit a bit more yeah yeah I think it was it was always like I've, I've thought the same thing about Marvel too about are these are these films going to endure the way that Star Wars has and and maybe they will and I think for a lot of people they probably will like people who are diehard Marvel fans like you were saying who obviously have a very different relationship with those films than we do as Star Wars fans but the thing I think is so interesting is that like the sequel trilogy was made Star Wars was made already knowing that it was going to be around for a long time because you know when they bought it in 2012 it had already endured for 40 plus for 30 plus years at that time like they already know that this is a long-standing franchise whereas with marvel you're right it's such a product of the 21st century and they're hoping that it has that longevity as they're making it but star wars already knows that it does and i think that puts you in such a different frame of reference when you're creating it and i think marvel is kind of getting to that point now that this has been ongoing for 
what, 10, 15 years at this point. Um, but Star Wars has always been ahead of the game. And, and like you said, it, it does feel so much, it's more mythological. It's a period piece. It, it just, I don't know, it's different. And <laughs> in both of our opinions, it's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, I just, I hope that if we do get something that's just, you know, dogfights in the sky, I think that, like, there is time and a place for that, and I think it would be really cool to watch, but I hope that if we get that, then we also get something that is really different and um, does push the boundaries on what Star Wars can be and explores a completely different genre, too. So, if we're going to get that, give us other things, too, that are different than what we've already seen. Yeah, give us the avant-garde Star Wars musical we've all been asking for. I am so not a horror person, but I kind of want a horror Star Wars movie. Ooh, awesome. Yeah. Do you have a concept in mind or just like any sort of horror? None at all. I think because I loved um, Last Shot so much by Daniel Jose Older, and that has such like a, a comedy horror vibe to it that... I unexpectedly fell in love with and like I said I don't watch any horror movies like none but ever since I read that book I'm like how cool would that be to have something like Star Wars like that on the big screen I just the tone of that I just loved it was so different for me in Star Wars and I always thought that that would be a really cool genre for them to explore on the big screen that would be really cool I, I've just literally just had a concept flash into my mind Ooh, what? so middle-aged Luke teenage Ben Solo they like are off on one of their like slightly nondescript quests for <laughs> Jedi stuff and they come across this dark ominous looking castle in like Transylvania or something like that so it's got to sound like Transylvania basically yeah and then they go into the castle and they find it's owned by Lord Snoke <gasps> and it turns out that he's a space vampire oh my and god then that could be the Star Wars horror yeah, I love so. that and we get to see some like really spooky architecture in Star Wars it would be so great yes. it'd be so great yeah so I- I'll take I'll take the Kevin Feige Star Wars movie, but I also want the the spooky Snoke Star Wars story too. So, <laughs> like, I'll send Kevin Feige my pitch and yeah. ask if he'll take a chance on it. Um, okay, awesome. So let's move on to the next story that we have, which is that the rise of Skywalker has been previewed in Empire magazine. Um, so yeah, we'll go into some quotes from the magazine shortly, but. Just briefly, let's talk a bit about some of the images and covers that have come out. Um, so we have a really beautiful special cover that isn't in the notes, unfortunately, Caitlin. So it's throwing everything off space-wise. <laughs> but it's that amazing blue and pink cover with Rey and Kylo. Yep. And Kylo would probably be offended that I'm saying pink, but it is pink. <laughs> um, and it's by Paul Shipper, which is the most wonderfully appropriate artist name ever. Amazing. <laughs> And yeah, it's just a gorgeous piece of art. The only way it could be improved is if Kylo's helmet were off. Yeah, man. The the magazine covers have been serving <laughs> between yeah. the Vanity Fair cover and this one. I just, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I remember when we all saw it, there was just a collective gasp online. 
Yeah, it's really amazing. I remember very vividly when it came out because I was just mindlessly checking Reddit on my phone and I was about to go out to a meal with my work colleagues and like this had literally just come out and I was like, oh, for God's sake, because it always happens. I have plans and then something significant styles wise breaks and obviously it's not like it's a trailer so I can live with just seeing the image and then going away and not talking about it for a few hours. It's fine. But it just is on my mind. <laughs> and I'm like there having dinner and talking about non-styles things. Like, damn, that cover looks good. <laughs> and you just want to see what everyone is saying about it. And yeah. what edits they've already put together for it. Because people do that stuff so quickly. Yeah, I have to stop everything and just pay attention to what's going on. That was, I like, I remember when the Vanity Fair cover dropped because we were all just waiting for it. I felt like we were all just sitting on Twitter waiting for that notification to come in. And um, I remember Charlotte was asleep. And oh, wow. I, like, I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> she was sleeping because I think she had her parents. She was with her parents or something for a vacation or a trip or I don't know. They were visiting and I didn't know that. And I called her like 40 times in a row. I was like, have you seen this? Like, where are you? <laughs> and I definitely woke her and her parents up. But I was like, it's important. It's yeah, Star Wars. totally worth it. <laughs> so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just you need to talk to Star Wars people about it immediately yeah exactly no one else understands like I can try showing it to my work colleagues and they'll be like oh that's nice and then move on immediately after saying that and it's like but but don't you want to talk about it for an hour (laughs) you don't that's it that's there's not more you want to say about this (laughs) yeah and it's just one of those heartbreaking real world truths that you have to accept yeah and then the regular newsstand covers there are two covers because of course there are one of Kylo and one of Ray, and they are crossing sabers. And you can't see Kylo's face because he's wearing the dumb mask. Um, but Ray looks very determined. And yeah, it's just another reminder of the fact that her hairstyle is a lovely update on the free buns. I like it mm-hmm. very much. She's making it look badass. Yeah, she she's always looked really determined throughout everything we've seen of her thus far. For the rise of skywalker so i wonder if we're gonna keep with that when we finally do get the trailer or if we will get to see some more vulnerable moments yeah no i really hope so like it i kind of find like the strength doesn't mean as much unless you also see the character being vulnerable mm-hmm. so yeah i like to think jj will show us both he did a good job of that in the force awakens in my opinion yeah yeah he did yeah cool and then we got two images um like as in new exclusive images the others had all been released previously in some form and the first new image was just one of the knights of ren just standing around all in the helmets looking like naughty boys <laughs> probably leading kylo down a bad bad path so. oh gosh i am i could care less about the knights of ren <laughs> And I hate that because I feel like they'll they'll be really cool in the end. But I just, I was totally fine if they weren't in the movie, 100%. I was totally cool if they just were just something that was set up and never seen. <laughs> I would love the um, trolling if in the opening crawl of episode 9 it said something like, the Knights of Ren have died in a horrible accident. <laughs> Kylo Ren is now politically isolated. <laughs> I would not have problems with that and I'd actually quite enjoy the internet's reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm encouraged though because 
like basically none of those guys are going to be played by known actors they would have announced it by now if they were so they're clearly basically like extras or stunt people so i think they're going to be a small part of the movie to be honest they're probably going to have like one or two kick-ass fight scenes slash action scenes which would be nice but yeah like i'm not worried about them dominating much of the screen time yeah i i hope so that's always that's like my deepest fear with new films like like this and in franchises when they start introducing like so and so is joining the cast and so and so is joining the cast and I'm like well that's that's like a three to five minutes that we're not with Ryan Kylo so <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how okay I am with that and we're up to like for at least four or five new characters I'm like that's a good chunk of time and that makes me nervous. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, get him out of here. Don't care. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Move it. I know. I'm horrible. But I'm like, just give me Ray, Kylo, Finn, and Rose, and Poe, and Leia. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what yeah. I need. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that the new characters will complement the existing ones mm-hmm. rather than take that just precious time away from them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the final new photo we had is one of Kylo. Um <laughs> It's very hard to describe what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of looks like he's preparing to surf, maybe. <laughs> um, he's not literally about to surf. I think he's just using the force to steady himself. Um, and there's a bunch of troopers in the background all getting knocked down. It yeah. looks like some huge hangar, probably of a First Order ship. Yep. And I'd say that there's obviously some sort of like energy blast going towards them. Mm-hmm. My bet is on a ship taking off. It uh, it reminds me of when we saw uh, in promos for Rogue One with Jen when she was on that uh, walkway and the Tie Fighter like blasted off by her and yep. uh, she was like trying to steady herself. It's very reminiscent of that. What yeah. he, his pose is. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. It's a bit of a um doofy looking photo. Bless him. Really. Yeah, but but no mask. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. So I'm grateful for that. Like, that's good. It's so intriguing to me that all this marketing, like all the merchandise for Force Friday, all of it is masked. Mm-hmm. But we still have yet to see a single frame from the actual movie where he's wearing the mask. Yeah, it's very curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he is holding the mask in this image, though. This is true. Yeah, yes. so he does have it. But that's all we can say. <laughs> So hashtag mask confirmed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yeah, on the subject of the mask, um, we have an exciting quote from J.J. Abrams where he said this about having Kylo wear this repaired mask. Having him be masked but also fractured is a very intentional thing, Abrams said. Like that classic Japanese process of taking ceramics and repairing them, and how the breaks in a way define the beauty of the piece as much as the original itself. As fractured as Ren is, the mask becomes a visual representation of that. There's something about this that tells his history. His mask doesn't ultimately hide him, and his behaviour is revealed. So, yeah, this is a really cool quote from JJ, but I definitely want to pass the ball to you here, Caitlin, because a long time ago, when basically we first found out about the mask, I think, in that initial teaser, or at least first found out about it officially, I think it had been leaked quite some time before that, but you wrote a really cool meta about it, because that Japanese process of repairing ceramics is called Kintsugi, 
And yeah, I was just wondering you could talk a bit about that and the emotions you felt upon getting that <laughs> glorious vindication from the words of our Lord and Master J.J. Abrams. Yeah, the... I... Yes, so I don't really follow leaks and stuff. I, I don't do spoilers. I try to stay off Reddit. Um, but the mask did leak back in like early December 2018. And at that point, it like found its way to me because of course it did because I wasn't... I wasn't like up on muting words or anything at that point. Um, but yeah, I saw it and uh, that's what I first thought of. I didn't know a lot about Kintsugi at the time, but I recognized it. And I know there was so much discourse about, you know, like Kylo's mask when you when he smashed it in The Last Jedi. It was like, oh, yes, we are moving in the right direction towards redemption. And I think we all had really good analysis of why that was true. And then to see it come back repaired, it was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're bringing it back but I think once you start diving into what Kintsugi is it makes a lot of sense um, and so I didn't really say anything publicly about it because it was just a leak at the time but after it was confirmed at Celebration and I had been doing more research on it I decided to try and put some of that together in a meta about Kintsugi and I've never written a meta before um, and there are so many amazing Raylos out there who have <laughs> and they're really good at it. So this was my first crack at it. Um, no pun intended, a crack. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Kintsugi is like, like JJ said, it's the Japanese process of taking ceramics and repairing them and it started in like 15th century Japan and basically the idea is that you take a ceramic and you put it back together with this adhesive called Yurishi and you not only put it back together but you take like gold and silver paint and you highlight the cracks that have been made from the breakage of the ceramic and the idea mm -hmm. is that it is supposed to illuminate the cracks and you make it more beautiful than it was before and it, it spun into this whole philosophy and from what I understand the philosophy behind it and the process of it kind of developed at the same time but it basically became this philosophy for taking like your scars and your tragedies and not being afraid to hide them because we're not perfect people and the more you try to hide those things the more they fester and the more they don't heal but so much of who we are is because of the hardships that we've experienced in the past and for me that makes a lot of sense for Kylo and I think for a lot of us obviously who are vendemptionists um it makes a lot of sense because the thing is the thing that Raylos always talk about in, in the Bendemption community is that, you know, Kylo can't forget about his past. <laughs> he keeps telling yeah. himself to let go, but he's wrong. He can't let go because that's going to be part of the thing that helps him make the choice to turn back to the light. Um, it's not about just forgiving him for his past sins and being like, okay, I guess you're redeemed and you're a good person now because that's not reality. Um, reality, you can't just let go of those things and so Kylo needs to be able to take his past both the good and bad parts of it put himself back together and move forward with that into the next chapter of his life and Kintsugi is about that concept <laughs> and so I think that when we saw the mask for me that was that made the most sense and a lot of other people picked up on that too um but Seeing him confirm it like this was like 
the best one of the best things I've ever experienced in fandom <laughs> honestly oh, that's so lovely yeah and that sounds like so crazy to say but I was walking into work and our friend James who lives in Australia was the first person to tag us in this quote and he was like oh my god Sky Talker is Kayla <laughs> and I freaked the freak out like I had to stop walking and sit down for a minute because yeah. I you know, stuff like this. And, and a lot of other people had talked about Kintsugi before. And I think for me, it was one of those things that I assumed would be like mentioned in a behind the scenes featurette, like once the Rise of Skywalker came out on DVD and Blu-ray or something, you know, just kind of as an aside or in the art of book. But to have like JJ himself be like, no, this is what it is. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Amazing. No. It doesn't get more definitive than that. No, I'm really happy for you. It's so nice like when you get that sort of affirmation. And yeah, yeah. like so I know a lot of people were quite cynical about the mask coming back and obviously there is an, a certain element of cynicism because I'm sure it wasn't completely unmotivated by the fact that the mask sells well, so we want to be able to depict the character of a mask again. But yeah, these kind of quotes are important to me. So it's reassuring to know that there was real force and care given to the purpose of having him put the mask back on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it clearly wasn't a decision that was taken lightly. There was lots of thought given to the character implications, Yeah, which is what matters to me. Yeah, and I saw there were some, I remember there were some people who are not uh, of the Kylo Ren should be redeemed camp, to put it nicely, who tried to use it as this as this way to be like oh he's taking his failures as a dark sider and that's what the mask represents and for me and for a lot of other people too it's like no 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 like that's not that's not the core of what this philosophy is about the core of this philosophy is about taking all these pieces of your life good and bad and when you're at your lowest moment of putting it back together so that you can be a better person it's not about you falling deeper into the dark side um or like your failure to not be like darth vader like what what it's just (laughs) i'm like you're not paying attention to to what is actually going on here and where this where this thing even comes from and what it was used for then and and of course things can be translated differently and interpreted differently in different art forms and stuff like that obviously but kintsugi has always been kind of straightforward in the it's it's called transformative repair and if that's not a way to describe Kylo Ren, hopefully by the end of the sequel trilogy, then I really don't know what is. Yeah, he definitely needs a bit of transformative repair. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> exactly. Cool. So let's move on to the next quote. So this one is from Chris Terrio, who's the co-writer with J.J. Abrams. Um, and it's about the questions that drove the storytelling of The Rise of Skywalker. Could you read out this quote from Chris, please, Caitlin? Yes, absolutely. One of them is a simple question. Who is Rey, he says, which is a question that people not only wonder about quite literally, but wonder about in the spiritual sense. How can Rey become the spiritual heir to the Jedi? We kept coming back to who is Rey, and how can we give the most satisfying answer to that that is not only factually, because obviously people are interested in whether there's more to be learned of Rey's story, but more importantly, who she is as a character. How will she find the courage and will and inner strength and power to carry on what she's inherited? He continues, 
The second one is, how strong is the force? It sounds a little simple, but actually when you get down to it, that is the story of Zen Koan that we would really meditate on. Not literally in yoga poses or anything, but like we would discuss what is the force and how strong is the force. Those two things were really important. Yeah. I quite like both of these questions. I know that the who is Ray question is a bit controversial, uh, but that does still feel like a bit of an open question to me after The Last Jedi, not even necessarily in relation to the parentage thing, although that obviously might be part of it, we'll see. Um, And yeah, even more intriguing is the how strong is the force thing, because that to me says that we're going to get more of that mystical side and exploration of the spiritual aspect of Star Wars which I enjoy so much so yeah both of these questions seem quite intriguing to me it's all about how they're answered and and the way in which they are investigated by the film so obviously I can't unequivocally say if they're good or not yet but yeah like they make sense to me as engines of the story How, how do you feel about this bit of revelation from Chris Caitlin I one I'm really happy to hear from Chris <laughs> because yes. I, this is the first time we've actually heard from him I think uh, or this is the most we've ever heard from him at least and I understand the questions I'm definitely one of those people who is nervous about the who is Ray question uh, because the using words like inherited and um, who is she factually definitely do make me nervous as far as her possibly being someone uh, with a capital Mm. S. Uh, I really hope that's not the case uh, because I think that she answered that question and she answered that question. Importantly, no one told her that. So I I just hope that that remains the case. And I hope the who is Ray question focuses more on the spirituality of who is Ray and that that ties more directly into the how strong is the force question because those are that's the most interesting aspect of it because Ray and Kylo are this balance right and and we know where Kylo comes from and so I think there is something to be said about understanding exactly where Ray does come from but I hope it's more of a spiritual force answer than it is a her father was Palpatine or something like that you know what I mean um I don't yeah I don't need to have a family tree in order for it to be meaningful um so I hope that that's kind of the direction that question goes in as it is answered throughout the film but I am I'm ever the skeptic about these kinds of things and I know that about myself so uh I take it with a grain of salt my own skepticism but I think you're absolutely right I really like the the how strong is the force because that is also my favorite part of Star Wars is just how weird the force can get and really pushing it to its limits because it isn't ever something that you can have the full answer to as far as like what is the force and so there's always new directions that it can go in and new things that it can do and um they're just new to us the audience but in universe the force has always been able to do that we're just finding out about it at a certain point in time so i really hope that we get to see the force in a completely new and intense way in the rise of skywalker and i really think that's the only way it can happen because just the things they've set up are just bananas and so the the way that it gets resolved I think has to be bananas too (laughs) Um, and I really think that the force is going to play a big part in that as far as doing something extreme 
Yeah. No, exactly. And if it's meant to be closing out this entire nine film saga, it should go out with like a fireworks display rather than a whimper. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever the force does, it needs to be a pretty spectacular statement, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I hope it is insane. <laughs> yeah, and with the Ray thing, like I I want like there to be like just clarity on where we stand with that for the audience because I know obviously for many people like including like ourselves me perhaps a bit less so but yeah we did have an answer in The Last Jedi like for many people we thought we got that answer already but I do feel like Rey in the movie she never has had that time to process the information that Kylo gave her or come to terms with that because it's literally direct cut from her being devastated over that revelation to then her being like, whoa, like this! Yeah. And, like, flying about in the Falcon, and then you go back to slightly contemplative with Leia at the end, but that's not about looking inward at her own past and who she is and where she comes from and stuff. Yeah. So, I definitely think there's a place to revisit that in The Rise of Skywalker. So, for me, it will all be about the execution. I'm not particularly opposed to some sort of related reveal beyond like her being obviously a Skywalker or Solo because that would just be so bloody stupid and just no. And it's been outright disproven, so I don't panic anyone, please, please, please. (laughs) But yeah, like I'm not completely opposed to some sort of genetic link to whoever. Really, it just needs to be told in a good, compelling way and make sense Mm -hmm. for the story that they're telling. Yeah, yeah, the you're right. The question does need to be revisited um, for Rey emotionally, I think. But for me, I hope the answer is still the same. But I think you're right there. If the execution is done well, I'll buy whatever they tell me is going on, obviously. But yeah, if sure. it's not done well, then I'll have some problems with it. Yeah, so even if it is like the answer is that her parents are nobodies, like just have a scene of her going back to Jakku and visiting their grave mm-hmm. or something and just making peace with that and moving on. Yeah. That then I'm fine. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. (laughs) Okay, cool. So then we have one final quote from Terrio, which is about the dynamic between Rey and Kylo Ren. And he says, Some of the most interesting scenes in The Last Jedi are the conversations between Rey and Ren, he said, noting the different sides of Ben Solo that Rey is able to tap into. We've tried to pick up that complicated relationship that really has been present ever since the interrogation in episode 7. When Ren took off his mask, there's a nakedness about him with Ray that he doesn't express to anyone else. Ryan developed that in fascinating ways, and we've been able to develop it even further. Yeah, that sounds very promising to me. That's the sort of stuff that I like to hear. And I'm really glad that he made the point of saying it's been present ever since episode 7, because... Ryan, rightly so, gets a lot of credit for what he did with that dynamic in The Last Jedi. But there's a reason why Rayla was a thing, going back to the olden days of Force (laughs) Awakens. And yeah, is it because JJ was sowing some seeds there for what would blossom later on down the road? So, Oh yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, I just, I, you know, all these words that keep coming up with Ray and Kylo through press and through articles like this are just very interesting words you know like complicated desperate connected a nakedness <laughs> yeah and you're like oh, i wonder what they're trying to tell us here <laughs> um you know they're very specific words and they give you kind of very specific connotations with them and 
I really like how Terrio talked about the relationship and um, it just it confirms a lot of things for me as far as like how I've been interpreting the relationship as well as the fact that they do have a lot of respect for what Ryan did in The Last Jedi which I never doubted because that's they've said that a bajillion times but yeah. you just see so many people on the internet that are always talking about oh well you know obviously JJ is just going to retcon everything that happened in The Last Jedi and you know you don't know how many times they can say it you know we liked The Last Jedi <laughs> we yeah, thought yeah. it was good what they did um, I remember at Celebration Charlotte and I were having lunch and this whole group of of people behind us in the like cafeteria or whatever we're having that exact conversation it was right after the teaser had come out and they're like oh so clear jj hated the last jedi oh no (laughs) yeah and they're like it's just gonna be a big f you to ryan johnson and the last jedi and oh wow yeah and we're projecting much we were just sitting there and we were like have you not been paying attention to literally anything? Does everyone forget that J.J. Abrams was an executive producer on The Last Jedi? Like, he approved all of these things <laughs> before they happened. And he said multiple times he wished he had wrote The Last Jedi and that he was inspired by The Last Jedi. And there were good things, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's ongoing and it's nothing that I ever doubted. And I don't think a lot of us did. But it's always, you know, it's just nice to have more things you can point to and be like, no they're going to keep that because that was an important part of the last Jedi. And that was, and not only was an important part of the last Jedi, but it built off of what was already set in the foundation of these films that JJ Abrams developed himself. Um, So these things aren't new. Yeah. Like, as I've seen some people say absurd things like, Oh, JJ Abrams is going to come back to make a sequel to the force awakens. And he's going to ignore the last Jedi. And it's like, well, that would be nonsensical, but I think there's often these really strange perceptions going on with what people perceive as how Ryan Johnson supposedly gave J.J. Abrams the finger with The Last Jedi. So people point to things like, um, oh, he got rid of Kylo Ren's mask and he didn't use the Knights of Ren and he killed Snoke. And I'm very, I'd be very surprised if J.J. like blinked twice at any of those things, to oh, be honest. Yeah. I think J.J. might have even done at least some of those things himself. Oh, yeah. You know, and... Yeah, people ignore the fact that The Last Jedi really directly continued on from The, La- from the Force Awakens, where it counts, which is in terms of the character relationships. Mm-hmm. And it did that in a big, big way. And those are the main threads that J.J. is going to pick up on in Episode Nine. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think because of this weird way people have of looking at these films, people will probably ignore that, whatever happens, and have these weird ideas again and be like oh yeah no it's a complete finger and yeah, yeah just have to shut it out basically i know angry people are just gonna stay angry about it honestly it's like even if jj completely builds off of the last jedi in every obvious and conceivable way that you can't help but notice then people are gonna be like oh well it's because kathy kennedy just loves ryan johnson and she made jj abrams do this and jj abrams obviously didn't want to do that you know it's just gonna be spun into a lot of different conspiracy theories um i think but yeah i this i haven't looked at i haven't seen the actual empire magazine itself in person yet i've looked for it haven't been able to find it yet um right but i think the i was really excited about all of the things that i read in it and it continues to make me more and more excited for the rise of skywalker and i really liked hearing from terio and jj about 
these things and and the things that they think are important are the things that I happen to think are important too. (laughs) So it, it feels, it feels really good right now. I feel really great about, there's not a lot that I'm worried about with the rise of Skywalker aside from like all of our new characters taking up time <laughs> away yeah. from our other characters. And of course, like Rose and what the deal is with her involvement in episode nine. But yeah, that I think that has yet to be definitively proven, but I'm definitely a little hesitant about that as well. Yeah. Like with Rose, like I'm just, I, I'm not counting on finding out much before the movie comes out, to be honest. So it's really going to be a question of waiting to see how she's handled in the film itself, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But I think I've just accepted that we're unlikely to get substantial information about her in the marketing. I really hope we get something, though. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys, just like say one sentence about Rose yeah. and what you've done with her, please. Yeah, just show her and Ray talking in the trailer. Like please <laughs> it'd just be amazing to see that for a second yeah anything more than a photo please yeah Ugh, it's annoying yeah. okay cool and then the next thing that we're going to talk about is that there was a publishing panel for lucasfilm at new york comic con and we had a few pieces of information i'm not going to talk about everything so there's lots of stuff about the comics and things like that that we don't really cover on this show um, so I'll just briefly give a shout out to some really cool variant cover art they have for the upcoming Rise of Kylo Ren comic, um, which is a cover that's half Ben Solo and half Kylo Ren, so which good. is very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really beautiful striking piece of art. And yeah, like I think I described it on my Twitter as a bit like a anti-drugs PSA because yes. he looks pretty rough <laughs> in his dark side version. Like he's got all greasy lank hair, big bags under the eyes. <laughs> sullen expression yeah oh gosh not a good look for him yeah that's so right that's the best way to describe it (laughs) oh poor benny boy it's very sad um yeah and then we finally have a reveal on who is writing the novelization for star wars the rise of skywalker which is exciting and that is going to be ray carson who wrote most wanted um, which was a spin-off book from Solo. Have you read Most Wanted, Caitlin? I did read Most Wanted. I, I enjoyed Most Wanted. Um, okay, it was cool. good. Yeah, I am thrilled <laughs> that Ray Carson is writing this book, that it is a woman who is writing the novelization. Man, such a relief, honestly. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. I feel really good about it. Me and too. Me too. Yeah. And so I really did enjoy Most Wanted. I thought it was one of the better Star Wars books I've read recently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I especially loved what she did with Kira in mm-hmm. that book. I thought she did a great job of getting inside that character's head and making you understand her hopes and dreams, her ambitions, and how she'd developed in the way she had. And I think that sort of ability will be really important when writing about Rey and her story in this book. Yeah, I think that in Most Wanted, and it's been a while since I read it, but I thought she handled having um, kind of an entourage of characters really well in the book, too. Um, like, I feel like the they all got their due, like the amount of time that their place in the story deserved, um, which I don't feel that way about all books all the time or even all 
TV shows and things like that, you know. So I, I'm i really excited. And, and like you said, I thought that Kira really was the strong point in that book as well. So that makes me really excited for how we'll see Ray uh, written in this novelization. And I am really interested in the fact that the cover is not final yet. Um, yes. What kind of cover is going to be on this book <laughs> that will come out yeah. after the movie is finished. <laughs> Uh, just leads to a lot of questions. I know the other ones have been mostly like versions of the poster, of the theatrical posters and things like that. So I wonder if they, it's very possible they could keep with the same for this one. But I, I think it'd be really cool to see something completely different that is just um, kind of reminiscent of what the ending of the, of the trilogy and the saga is. So I'm just really glad that it's Ray Carson, and I loved The Last Jedi novelization with Jason Fry, but uh, I think it was the right move to have a woman be writing this last novelization. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Like, she, she, um, yeah, like, it's, I feel like the sequel trilogy is quite a uniquely feminine story, especially for such a big blockbuster franchise like this. And yeah, I think it would feel like being robbed a bit if we didn't get one of those mainline stories of the saga told by a woman at some point. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's not like Ray Carson wrote the script or anything, but the novelization does add those extra layers and that richness that you can always get on the screen. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be really nice to see what she brings to it. Yes, very much looking forward to it. And I think Last Jedi novelization came out in February or Mar- I think it came out in March. Um, after The Last Jedi, so hopefully we'll have kind of a similar time frame with this book, too, after The Rise of Skywalker comes out. Yes. Yeah, no, it should make sense. I think they usually put out now a few months after the movie just to allow them to make sure it matches properly. Mm-hmm. So I think if you go back to The Force Awakens novelization, that came out on the day the film did, and there's some quite amusing differences from the movie in that case. Yeah, I'll be honest, I haven't read that one because... I haven't seen as yeah. good things about it. <laughs> um, I've read through, I've like f- skimmed through it, but I haven't actually sat down and read it properly. Yeah, I haven't read it cover to cover either. Mm-hmm. I've read enough. <laughs> the parts I have read are quite entertaining in their own way, but you need to approach it like tongue in cheek a bit because, yeah, yeah, Alan Dean Foster's a legend, not always for the right reasons. <laughs> oh, bless him. Okay, cool. So the next thing that we'd like to discuss is that we have an excerpt from Resistance Reborn, which reveals a heart-to-heart conversation between Ray and Leia. So, Brendan, could you read this out, Caitlin? Yes. So this is, like you said, from Resistance Reborn, and the excerpt begins, Finally, Ray met her gaze, a question lurking there. Perhaps she wants to talk about Luke, Leia thought. We spoke of him, but briefly, just an acknowledgement that he was at peace in the end. But then Ray said... Kylo Ren, he's your son. Ah, Leia nodded and drank from her now cooling cup. Rey squirmed uncomfortably in her seat. What happened to him, she finally asked. I mean, how did he turn to the dark side? He started in the light, didn't he? He told me a story about Luke, about his training. She exhaled. I guess I just want to understand. I do too, Leia said. So you don't know? I think you would have to ask Ben what happened to him. He wanted me to join him, but I couldn't. I thought I could help him, but he only wanted me to become like him. Ray's face fell, and Leia could see the pain etched there. The girl cared about Ben, and he had disappointed her. 
Ben has made his choices, Leia said. No one can save Ben but himself, and I don't know if that's what he wants. Ray nodded, a sharp dip in her chin. I know that. I mean, rationally, I know, but I guess I held out hope. Hope is good, Leia said, her voice gentle and understanding. Hope is important, and sometimes it is all we have. But, she said, smiling, what does hope have to do with being rational? She held out her hand, and Ray leaned forward and took it, pressing her palm to Leia's and squeezing. I don't know how I'm going to do this, Ray whispered quietly. But you will do it, Leia said, her voice a little louder, filled with a little more steel. And you won't be alone. We'll be here with you. Ray seemed to steady, and a smile blossomed briefly, her first since she had arrived. Lovely reading, thank you. And yeah, this book is written by Rebecca Roanhorse. Um, yeah, and I really, really like this excerpt. It's really nice, and I feel like the author's done a great job of capturing both their voices. It reminds me really strongly of that conversation between them on the Falcon at the very end of The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. It feels very authentic and true to that. Yeah. And yeah, it, al- it also has really interesting story implications. Like, I love that we're getting this confirmation that Ray has been so open about what happened with her and Ben, and how she feels about the situation and why she did what she did because I did think there was a legitimate possibility of her being more secretive about what had happened but it seems like she's confided in people at the very least she's confiding in Leia. Yeah that's kind of been my question for the whole thing is just what exactly is she telling people about what's happened and I venture to say that she probably does still have a lot of secrets that she's keeping from Finn because I just I can't imagine a situation where Finn finds out that Rey left Kylo alive at the end of The Last Jedi and that he's okay with that. Um, I think it would be really hard for him to understand why she made that choice. But I think she is so, like, distressed and confused and, like, in a way heartbroken at the end of The Last Jedi that Leia is the only person that she probably feels she can trust and, you know, she wants... Like, Ray keeps searching for answers about why things happened the way they did. She asks Han, she asks Luke, she asks Kylo, and they're all telling her different things. And, you know, they're all versions of the truth, but it's not the whole story. And I think she's still, like she says, she's still just wanting to understand more because she thought, like, that was Ray's folly in The Last Jedi. I was thinking that it would be so easy to just go to Kylo. They have this connection and be like, it's okay. I know that you want to come with me. Like, just come with me and we'll be better and it'll be great. And for Kylie, was like, it's not that easy. And that's really disappointing for Rey to have to grapple with. And I think she wants Leia to tell her this thing that's going to make it all make sense. And I think Leia is in the same position that Rey is. There's still a lot of questions that Rey has. And Leia held out hope for so long, too, even when it didn't make sense or wasn't rational. So I think she understands completely where Rey is coming from at this point in the story. Yeah. No, it's a lovely scene of like mutual empathy between them where mm-hmm. Leia's in a great position to understand what Ray's going through. Like, this might be hoping too much, but I really do hope that that line from Leia, I think you would have to ask Ben what happened to him. I really do hope we get some follow through on that in the actual movie because I would love for Kylo slash Ben to actually give Ray straight answers for once. Yeah. Because I absolutely adore their conversations and their back and forths in The Last Jedi. They're so intimate and so well done. 
but Kylo is always like talking in riddles and dancing around the truth and he very rarely directly answers a question. He's more likely to answer a question with a question mm-hmm. in a way that's quite <laughs> infuriating. Yeah. So I'd like some real nakedness, you could say, from Kylo. Not literal nakedness, just to be clear, <laughs> but like metaphorical slash symbolic nakedness where he is just open with her and it's like, look, I fell because of X... Like, but not written like that because that would be really shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I just want there to be that like clearing of the air because I feel like any relationship between them it can't progress much further unless they're both on a place of complete honesty and complete understanding. Yeah. Exactly. What I really like about this excerpt too is that we we kind of touched on this earlier is that everything that we've really seen from Ray so far as far as like imagery images and even like clips of her she's been very determined and had like a very stern look and this is really one of the first times we're seeing some more of that vulnerable side of her coming through in this moment with Leia so I really enjoyed this excerpt for that reason of really getting to see how the events of the last Jedi have affected her emotionally um, even though she did put up you know a facade when she came back to crate with the falcon and everything so uh that gives me a lot of hope that we will see that duality with her she's very determined in her mission but also still working through a lot of things emotionally too yeah no like just that level of emotion is what immediately makes me so much more excited for this book so i also really appreciate the outright confirmation that leia can see that ray cares about ben Yes. Because that's so nice and reassuring to see. I, again, I think we knew this, but there have obviously been arguments that Ray was only interested in turning Ben because he could benefit her side. And obviously that's a part of it. You know, it wasn't completely, I care about you and that's the only reason I'm doing this. It was also because it could turn the tide of the war. The film was pretty explicit about that. But yeah, there is this personal connection and this personal investment. And that's also really important. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm, I hope that we get to see some version of this in The Rise of Skywalker or some other, you know, intimate conversation with Leia, which I think we will. I'm just interested to see how exactly it goes, given what we know about how Leia's character will be represented in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm very, I'm not hesitant. I'm not like nervous about it because I know that there's not a great way to do it I think it's going to be really challenging no matter what they do with her character but I'm glad at least that in books like these we are getting these moments between them where they are having a heart to heart and and, uh, talking through the things that have happened to them yeah no 100% like so part of me does wonder if we're having these conversations in this book for example because for obvious reasons if these sorts of scenes weren't shot before for the previous films, that would be very difficult to construct something from nothing for The Rise of Skywalker now that Carrie's gone. So, yeah, we might be getting them here for that reason, because they just, it's just impossible to offer it in the film itself. But, yeah, like it's obviously very much a wait and see, like in terms of how they're going to depict Leia and use that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right, and then for our final segment, we are going to go into a little chat about Star Wars Resistance. Um, So yeah, we have had a broadcast of the season two premiere, Into the Unknown, 
which was oddly nostalgic to watch again because I saw it at Star Wars Celebration back in April with Kirsty, which was an awesome experience. Um, did you see it at Celebration, Caitlin? Yes, yes, I did. It was... Oh, amazing. Sorry, I probably even like saw you there. I've just got such a bad memory. Oh, no. We saw each other a couple of times throughout the Celebration, but I can't tell you when or where. Okay, thank you. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I know that we spoke more than once <laughs> in person. Yeah, can also confirm. Yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. I The Resistance panel was one of the highlights for me of Celebration. It was it was so fun. I love that cast so much. And I thought the episode was really great too. So I was really excited to get to watch it again because there was so much that I had forgotten. Just like the little like comedic touches and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd completely forgotten about those. Yeah. Like I love how they showed the bar going like to and fro with the zero G. <laughs> yes. And like how they have this like, oh wow, everyone must be suffering so much. <laughs> and then like up in the bar, people are like, Woo <laughs> having the time of their lives. It was wonderful. Oh, it was so yeah. good. It was so funny. I loved it. Yeah, it's just such a charming breath of fresh air this show i just enjoy watching it it makes me feel all happy and warm inside it's just the perfect sort of star wars i need right now it really like is just like this waiting game for like the big stuff yeah. and you just want something nice to tide you over that doesn't have the biggest stakes but it's just pleasant and fun yeah, yeah it's great resistance like hit me over the head with how much i liked it i was not I didn't think I was not on board the resistance hype train really at all. Um, I I wasn't not looking forward to it. I didn't have I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, I don't like the animation style or whatever like that. It just wasn't. I don't know. I just it didn't look like it was going to be the type of Star Wars that I tend to gravitate towards. Um, sure. And then I watched the first episode, and Kaz immediately won me over. And like you said, it's just it's this breath of fresh air. It makes me laugh every time I watch it. It just it's so happy it just makes me feel really good watching it and I think it's doing a lot of interesting things in the Star Wars universe and um, getting to see how these big things that we explore in the saga films are kind of impacting the day-to-day lives of characters on board a ship like the Colossus I just think it's really fascinating and I think that I think the show I think that show has some of the best landscapes I've ever seen in Star Wars animation Um, it's just it, it it's a very beautiful show, I think, and it's unfortunate that a lot of people like to criticize it for its art style when I think that it has some of some of the best scenery I've seen in any of our in our animated shows. And I don't know, I just think it, it's doing some really bold things, and I'm sad that it's the last season, but I the season opener was amazing, and if that's any indication of what the rest of the season is going to be like, I think it's going to be an amazing ride. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm really excited to see what they have in store, especially for um, Tam, because she really surprised me, because obviously for a lot of season one, she's very much like a supporting character, and she's just there getting annoyed and impatient, because Kaz and a few of the others are just creeping around without her and keeping secrets and stuff. And I was kind of like, wow, this character's really been wasted here. Like, it's just such a thankless role for this like actress in this case and then obviously you have the amazing twist at the end of season one where tam actually joins the first order because of that frustration and dissatisfaction 
And that's a true Star Wars moment for me. That was just such a wonderful twist. So it felt completely surprising, but also completely organic. Yeah. And yeah, it was so exciting to watch her in this episode, suiting up and putting that helmet on. Oh my God. Oh man. And like when you saw her step onto the ship at the end of last season and, you know, Kaz is just there like, no, no, like what are you doing? And you totally understand where Tam is coming from. I think they, they did that so well in season one. And you're right of her like kind of being a side character and just showing that annoyance um, of what's going on around her and how there's so much that she's left out of and she knows that she's being left out of it too. And when they revealed that poster in at Celebration with Tam and Kaz on either side of the Colossus, I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> it's about to get serious. <laughs> and uh, Kaz contacting her in episode one of this season, it was just... Oh, man. I was like, Kaz, you probably should not do that for a lot of reasons, but I'm really glad you are because I need that that angsty conversation between the two of you. You two have yeah. got to air out your grievances and talk this through. Yeah. Like, oh, and it's like watching, like, Tam, like, put away the comlink before he can finish. It's like, no, no, listen to the whole message, please. Yeah, it's so sad. It's so sad. Yeah. I do wonder what it's going to be for her to actually listen um we just on sky talkers we just did a review of lost stars which i know have you read lost stars yes yeah. i have i love lost stars yeah and we hadn't we hadn't read it really in full since it came out back in 2015 and we we hadn't really talked about it on the show that much so we read it again and then did a full discussion of it on the show and it was so good and it it one, that book is amazing, obviously, but it had so many great parallels to like Tam's story and Cyanna's story in Lost Stars that it was really interesting to read it knowing that we are going to be getting Tam in kind of a similar situation in this season of Resistance. And it made me really excited to kind of see if she follows any same, any of the same trajectory as Cyanna does within Lost Stars and what it's going to take for her to hopefully find her way back to Kaz and the Colossus and, and maybe even join the Resistance herself. Yeah, no, I think they've set her up to probably have the most interesting arc of any character in the show, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I love Kaz, I really enjoy him and like him, but like they may surprise me and do something absolutely spectacular with him, but at the moment I see more potential in Tam just because of the stakes, they're so incredibly high for her, because she's, we know, this good person in this bad bad situation surrounded by people who are seeking to manipulate her to their cause and indoctrinate her with this propaganda and yeah it's just ripe for storytelling essentially like i really love that they have Tierney positioned as her mentor because that character is really fascinating to me i like how She's not an obvious, like, moustache-twirling villain. No. She's, <laughs> obviously, she doesn't have a moustache. <laughs> um, but she's, like, much more subtle and seems very patient and kind and understanding. She's always, like, this, like, motherly figure, kind of, to Tam. And she's, like, all about supporting her and fulfilling her, like, in the way that a good mentor should. But you also sense there's something self-serving and a bit insidious going on with her, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I One of my favorite theories before The Last Jedi came out was if Rey had turned to the dark side and The Last Jedi, like, properly turned to the dark side. And if, like, how we as an audience would feel about her redemption since she started out as a quote-unquote good character. 
Um, I always thought that would have been a really interesting direction for the sequel trilogy to go. And so to see that play out with Tam in a way of like knowing that she is a good person in the first season, seeing her make that choice at the end, um, how we react and root for her to hopefully come back to the good side um, at the end or what is exactly going to happen with her. So I think it was such a bold choice to, to actually have her take that step onto the First Order ship and, and leave her friends like that. And she, you know, at this juncture, she seems very dedicated to that cause. So uh I don't know. It's I'm I'm really interested to see what happens for the rest of the season with her. You're right. Kaz is my favorite character in Resistance, but right now I think the most interesting character is Tam, as far as what her choices are going to be and exactly what she does while within the First Order. Yeah. One like much less substantial point about this episode, but did you find the new voice for Phasma very distracting, or were you just like, okay, they can't have Gwendolyn Christie Christie anymore. This will be fine. It didn't bother me at all. I'm I'm not a. I love Gwendolyn Christie. She was like the bright spot in the press tours. I think that was my favorite. One of my favorite things from press tours is Gwendolyn Christie, but I'm so not a Phasma person at all. Never have been. <laughs> so yeah. for me, it didn't really make that much of a difference. I know for other people, that's not the case, but it didn't take me out of it at all, honestly. I don't even think I realized that she wasn't voicing it initially. I think I found it momentarily distracting, but yeah, then, then you just accept it. And I'm sure next episode, it just won't even be a factor. Yeah. I really hope they get Donald Gleeson to do Hux, though. Yes. Oh, I guess they could just get any generic, posh British person <laughs> to do Hux. And obviously, like Donald, he isn't technically British, he's Irish. Um, <laughs> but he does a very good, posh British accent. He for does. That we always need more Dommel around. Yeah. He's like so funny. Him and Gwendolyn Christie are just such happy people. <laughs> Yeah, the characters, no, exactly. they... so f- utterly different from their characters. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> and then there's Adam. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah. interesting trio, interesting trio. <laughs> I did really like how those three were paired up. Well, not paired up. They were grouped up for the press tour for The Force Awakens. Yeah. That was nice chemistry. Yeah. They counterbalanced each other very well. It was, it was. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. I will miss Gwendolyn. Um, but I, I assume she'll be at like the premiere and stuff. So... We'll get to see her there, hopefully, as well. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Fingers crossed. Like, she seems very fond of it all, so hopefully she wants to stay involved in some fashion. Okay, awesome. Um, Do you have, like, any predictions for Star Wars Resistance or, like, any things that you really would like to see happen this season? I... One of the big things I hope happens this season is I hope we get a lot more of Kaz's backstory or just, like... Um, one of the things I didn't think they handled as well in the first season was his relationship to Hosnian Prime. I thought yeah. that was such an interesting thing that they started with with him. Like he's a senator's son from Hosnian Prime. Like we don't like Kylo is really one of the few other characters we have who has such a prominent background um, besides like Padme and stuff like that. But uh, I thought that was such an interesting thing. And, and in the first season of Resistance or the first episode of Resistance in season one, he has this like really angry conversation with his father. And, and I just thought that was so fascinating, that dynamic they set up. And then it wasn't ever really revisited throughout the season. And for me, the um, I thought they handled the the scene where Hosnian Prime is blown up, I thought was so good, but the yeah. emotions didn't hit for me as hard because we hadn't really been talking about Hosnian Prime as much throughout the season or like 
Kaz's family or anything like that. So I hope that we find out more about that, whether or not they are alive. And if they are alive, them knowing that Kaz is in the resistance. I don't know. I just think there's there's a lot there to be explored. Yeah. And um, it would be something a little different than what we've seen from other Star Wars characters. So I hope that that comes into play more. Um, that's kind of my big wish for the season and for Tam to come back to the Colossus, obviously. Yeah. No, I, those are all great wishes. And yeah, I hope for exactly the same things pretty much. Yeah, like I think my hope for the rest of the season is just quite general. I really hope it gets a solid resolution. That mm-hmm. is an actual resolution. I don't want it to be any sort of cliffhanger, please. Yeah. Because I like this show too much and it deserves more than a cliffhanger ended. Yeah, deserves yeah. so much more. Yeah, please wrap it up nicely, guys. And yeah. then I'd love to see books and stuff like that further down the road with these characters. So I definitely think there's potential for that. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that Resistance gains more of a following after it's done where people can watch the whole thing and really appreciate it yeah yeah i agree i agree i think resistance is such a good show and i hope that more people get to see that throughout this season and then once it's over as well yeah no 100 percent. yeah so great i think that brings us to the end point for this show thank you so much for joining me caitlin that was a really fun conversation like where can people find you in your podcast Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on again. This was really fun. Um, I know we were talking before we started about how strange it can sometimes be to record things without your (laughs) co-host. And I know you and I are both very close to each of our co-hosts. So I feel like we kind of bonded over that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they definitely... But yeah, you were a real pleasure to podcast with. Oh, so yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah, this was really fun. Um, and we are such huge fans of Scavengers Horde. And you guys were a big part of our podcasting experience. So it's always oh, great to thank talk you. with you guys. Um, but my podcast is called it's called Sky Talkers with my best friend Charlotte. And we release episodes every other Saturday. And on the day of recording this, we actually do have our new episode out, which is all about the weird force stuff. So that was really fun fun for us um but you can find the show on twitter at sky talkers pod or my personal twitter handle is at caitlin plusher and i mainly talk about you guessed it star wars <laughs> amazing yeah i really look forward to checking out your new episode actually it sounds great um yeah so you can find me at stars and nonsense on tumblr and journal of the stars on wordpress um kirsty should be coming back pretty soon so touch wood this will probably be the last episode with a guest co-host at least for the foreseeable future um so yeah look forward to having kirsty back on the show soon but yeah thank you so much for listening and until next time bye bye bye